Here's a place where all of us can be safe. Our stories of transformation can be safe, and all the things we want to research are safe here. This is Safe Space with Cheyenne. I'm really excited you're here, and I hope you stick around for a while, because I've got a lot to show you before I leave Earth. I love you guys. Hello to all my Safe Space friends. I hope you had wonderful holidays. We have some fun New Year's stuff. I have to get out to you guys immediately. I have my friend Gary Gradley here. He's also called the Purpose Coach. He is helping you bring clarity and passion to your future. He is the publisher of The Kingdom Promise, and he's come on here today to not only tell a little bit about his story, but tell you about his purpose and a really great webinar that you can uh, hop on to uh, in the first two weeks of January, I believe. He's going to yep. give you all the information about it, but I'm going to yep. go ahead and hand it on over to Gary. I really appreciate you coming on today. Thank you, Cheyenne. I'm grateful for you and all the good work that you do and the difference that you are making in the world. And, and I, I would just say that, that, that that's true for all of us, right? We are designed to make a specific difference in the world. And uh, who would agree that the world's in pretty much high level of chaos, uh, maybe the most in our entire lifetime? And so for each of us to step up and into our purpose and to, to deliver our gifts to this hurting world, I think is critical. And this is the time. So, sorry, that was kind of a heavy intro, but. Uh, no, no, yeah. no, 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 that's not heavy at all. I think it's very inspiring, especially for the new year. I know that uh, everyone has their like new year's resolutions, new me, new year, new me. And I think it's powerful, um, but I also think uh, the things that we're going to talk about today will maybe drive those people further to continue to examine not only do I really want to do this, but why is this the focal point that I want for my new year and new me? So I think it's perfect. Absolutely. And, and you know, when it comes down to the, the why is the most important part of that, you know, the who, the what, the how, all that, right? It's the why. It's the, it's the purpose. It's the reason. It's the fuel, actually, for what you choose to do. Yeah. Absolutely. So where does this begin with you? Like, you haven't always been a purpose coach, so... What part of Gary are we starting on today? Give people yeah, so insight. Let, let me take you back to when I had my own corporate training business and things are going along really well. This is I started this in 1992, uh, so it's a while, uh, and things were going along great. You know, serving about a thousand people every year, employees, leaders throughout Canada, uh, um, the Caribbean, a little of the U.S. and Australia, uh, until. Until the uh, the the last uh, you know great recession, global financial crisis in two thousand eight two thousand nine, and so my, my clients were largely corporations, and so corporations usually spend zero dollars on speakers and trainers when there's a recession going on. Um, they want to cut back, right? Uh, and so here I am. I'm working extremely hard for an entire year, and I have zero income. And as a single family income earner, I rack up $50,000 in credit card debt. And I just, I'm, I just become financially distressed. And I'm just focused on all the lack and all the hard work. And I literally become hopeless and cynical. I'm telling you, it's the worst, worst place to be. I would not wish it on anybody. And so after a few months of that, I, I literally woke up, I remember so clearly, I woke up one February morning in my side office over here, and I just decided, I'm sick and tired of feeling sick and tired, and I will never choose to feel hopeless ever again. The light bulb went off, I had an epiphany, and I realized, well, Gary, it's just a choice. 
you can choose to feel hopeless or you can choose to feel hope. It's just simply a choice. So that was a, that was a major transformation point for me, thank God. Uh, and so that got me through through that. And then I felt led to, um, to talk to uh, like successful people to clean up my negative thinking, cynical thinking. Uh, and so I was, I was led to speak with uh, uh, business leaders and church leaders and community leaders. And, and when I interviewed them, just so I could learn for myself, what I discovered really was that it was their, their faith, faith in God, and God's faithfulness that literally got them through life's major, their life's major crisis, their storms of their life. Uh, and so that, 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 then I saw this evidence, right? I saw this evidence of that the God was faithful in their life, and I, I chose to believe that God would be faithful in my life with fifty thousand dollars in credit card debt and zero income and no prospects for income. And so it was that there was that evidence and that choice and that belief that literally uh, raised my faith from two out of ten to like an eight out of ten, right? Because of the evidence that I saw that I collected, and then later God said put that together in a book. So major transformation point for me. Where do I even begin on the story? You know, like, it's it's a really, like, powerhouse moment to, like, let's go back to the cynical and the hopelessness and feeling like you're waking up in this cycle every day. And, like, before you go to bed, you're like, okay, well, you know, when I go to bed tonight, you know, at least I'll find some peace when I go to sleep, if I can sleep. But then, like, as soon as you wake up in the morning, that stuff that you have no idea what to do or how to face. It's like sitting right there and it's like, what are you going to do with all this? What are you going to do with all this? And there's so many people out there that can identify with that, which is why I really wanted to like go back there really quick. I just was watching a documentary yesterday where a lady was talking about um, she didn't have $20 to her name and didn't even know how she was going to eat that day. And seven years later, now she lives in like a $750,000 house and has like made it out and found her way. But when you have those moments of, of hopelessness, you really feel alone. You feel ashamed. You feel embarrassed that you've actually gotten yourself in these situations. Asking for help seems pitiful, right? You're just like, I don't, I have no idea how to get out of this. And when that hopelessness really sets in, especially speaking from like, I want to say like Christian texts when we talk about like God and Satan, um, that hopelessness is what people would call Satan coming in and really just trying to grab at you and just be mm -hmm. like, come down, come down, come down. So I love that in that moment, you, you went to who you believe in, even though you were at like kind of a two, three scale, which I think is really brave to admit at the time. And then um, the epiphany, I have a epiphany tattooed on my wrist. So when anybody uses that word, I'm like, yee. Love that word. But the epiphany that you had is my favorite part because what I was picturing is that you had is like obviously like that dense negative energy is over you. Like, I mean, like you're, you don't really smile a lot. You know what I'm saying? You're just like, oh, da -da 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 -da, lack mindset, lack mindset. But then as soon as you had that epiphany about this is my choice, like I just feel, I could feel like the, the black just crack off of you. And you're just like, ah. Oh, oh my gosh, like I can get out of this. And not only can I get out of this, but I'm not alone to get out of this. Whether you have, whatever way you have to get out of it. I mean, obviously like diligently working to get off of that. But I mean, credit card debt is at an all time high, especially thanks to 2020. I know that I certainly am not away from it um, for us just to survive on a couple things. Um, especially like in, in my stance, like 
um, there are a lot of jobs that I would actually like to go do and participate in, but they do not match my child's daycare schedule at all. And I'm not, I'm not willing to sacrifice, you know, my kid for another job. I've done two of them now and I wasn't watch, I wasn't there for my kid and I wasn't able to be the mom that I wanted to be for her. I had the finances, I had the salary, I had the 401k, you know, once again, I'm, I'm back in the rat race and I'm like, I told myself that I would never sacrifice my daughter for money. And if we have to work a little harder, if we have to get a little more creative with our finances, this is what I'm going to do. And I mean, I was still doing the podcast at the time, but I remember like my bank account would go negative because I was paying babysitters to go record outside of going and working a full-time job because I knew that that's actually what I wanted to do. The platform and the safe space was something that I wanted to build. I was supremely passionate about, and it wasn't my problems that woke me up in the morning. It was the podcast. It was the ideas. It was the themes. It was the guests I wanted to bring on. It was the people I wanted to call. And that's like when it flipped for me, I wasn't in that helpless, lacking mindset of, oh my God, how I'm going to do it. I'm just like, I know I'm supposed to do this, I know if I go and talk to people about the fact that I'm supposed to do it, it'll kind of like deflate me. They'll kind of take all the energy out of it and be like, well, you know, logically, how does it even make sense? How do you make money off this? How do you do it? And I'm like, no, I'm literally just supposed to do it. That's all I know. Like I have to have faith and I have to believe in the feeling that you got when you had that epiphany. Like I have those all of the time. Like when I'm doing these shows, even when I'm doing the research or making the promos, anything tied to it the feeling of purpose is so beautiful and not just purpose but like you are doing something good you're here for something so much bigger than just to suffer which is like you said with the way of the world how it is right now it's yeah so, and you know it's so I, I love the way you describe that and that. I, I would describe that as following your heart mm-hmm. you know it's that that tugging that pulling that passion within your heart that you are drawing towards and you really can't resist it right yeah. uh, and, and that's what you just described you, you couldn't resist not doing you, you know you didn't do the logical thing you did the the heart leading you know uh, thing uh, and there's power there. There's power in following your heart. And, and I, I believe that in our heart is what is our, our intuition, our soul, our, our purpose is buried in our heart, our soul, right? Which is our mind, our emotions, and our will. Uh, and that's actually, that's actually the divine God, the source, who puts that message, that desire in our heart. And so I believe when we're following our heart, we're literally following God's calling on our life, right? Uh, it's like intuition, right? Is God speaking to us? Prayers are speaking to God. Intuition is us speak, God speaking to us. And, and so that intuition in your heart, when we follow that, right, we are doing God's work. We're doing God's calling. You know, we're in the center of God's will. It just struck me recently that for 2023, I want to be in the center of God's will which is where peace and joy and love and grace and power and provision is and impact is in the center of God's will. And we all have a place, right? Every one of us has a place, regardless of what your spiritual belief would be. We have a place in this world in the center of God's will that you are designed, right? There was a purpose for you to be designed to fulfill a specific purpose in this lifetime. One of my favorite things I did um, see on a documentary on Gaia, I wish I could quote it right now, was he was talking to um, a very clear channel, enlightened person, whatever you'd like to call it, and he was talking about all of the suffering that he went through before he was basically awoken to his purpose. 
And I wrote it down because I always wanted to remember that, that all the things that I went through before this time were not a waste of time. I do not regret any of the things that I did to get me to where I was. And that took a lot of shame away from me, embarrassment, and it gave me a lot of forgiveness for myself. Like I didn't have to outsource my forgiveness to somebody else. I really had to start with myself. And he said, the ego has to evolve. It has to get all of the material things. It has to get the promotion. It has to get the house. It has to get the car. If you're a man, you have to get the wife and the babies and be the provider and do all of this until one day the ego gets everything at once and it's full. And then in that moment, when you feel like, oh, life is meaningless, there's nothing going on here, this is all there is for work, that's when the spirit comes in that's been tapping you and guiding you the whole time and goes, no, there actually is more. Now that you have qualified, you know, for all of this, we're actually going to peel this ego away, not like forever, it's more of a purifier disposition, more of a Buddhist context. And um, we're going to now introduce the spirit that has been helping you the whole time, but now the spiritual work begins. And now you're going to understand why you took that job and why you dated that girl or that guy or why you moved here. All these things that are considered good and bad for you, you're going to understand that they are little stepping stones in a creek that you're in. And, you know, sometimes if you stand on a pebble too long, it starts sinking and you're not supposed to get in the water. So you better jump. Because God is making that stone sink for a reason. That door was shut. That door was shut. My favorite one that I've heard is, um, it's, not cosmic it's not cosmic denial. It's like cosmic redirection. And there's so many, like in, they're called tower moments in the tarot deck, right? Um, but there's so many tower moments in people's lives that just feel like they're completely lost, gone, and like out on their ass, hopeless. Um, a lot of it has to do with peer pressure and perceiving that, oh, my life is, my life should look this way to society or to my friends. Or Bearing to my oneself. Family. Yeah, you know what I mean? So, like, again, it just adds to all of those negative emotions you're bringing back on yourself when I'm like, we do come here for a purpose, but that doesn't mean that we're not going to, like, act like a lotus in the mud for a bit. We're going to have trials and tribulations. If you open any of the stories in the book, it wasn't, oh, I frolicked through a field and talked to God for 30 years and then I accidentally got died by, I accidentally got killed by my peers. That was not Jesus's story. Like Jesus had a very, no matter how many of the texts we have missing that he, you know, we don't know what he was doing. At the end of the day, like he knew what was coming. He, he already knew that there were going to be hard times. Um, I, empathetically put myself in the position of Noah, like building an ark in my backyard and trying to tell my neighbor what the hell is going on. You know, like when you actually empathize and put yourself in these like biblical stories, you're just like, how would I as a person actually be able to do this, to be able to listen to my channel, my connection with the divine over what the earth says, the news says, friends, family, people closest to your heart, right? Like those are the ones that could actually hurt you more than a stranger or just like some weird person's opinion. How do you yep. actually overcome those? And we kind of talked about this before, like your level of faith in whatever you spiritually believe in goes up astronomically when you actually start not only aligning yourself with your purpose, but auditing everything in your life to get you back on track of like what you actually came here for. 
So I love pointing out that when people find their purpose, there's some people that don't want to talk about who they were before. Um, and that's why I love having this platform because I'm able to talk about all of the things that I never got to talk about. Um, and even things that like I would technically sub like I'm supposed to be ashamed of today. Like it's just like, oh, I can't believe you did that. And I'm like, this is a part of my path. It's a part of my journey. It's a part of my karma, my epiphanies, all the things that apparently I wanted to experience with my free will. And my, my divine connection loved me so much that he gave me free, free will to decide what I wanted to do. And this is what I did with that free will based on this influence, based on this and based on this. But the fact that I saw the error of my way and I never did it again beats the hell out of any of the judgment that you're casting down on me at this moment. <laughs> so I'm still going to speak my truth and go on with it. But Absolutely. The and and the that's part. the power, right? And so what, what I experienced really, I think you're about to maybe ask this, was I, I experienced the power of free will. Uh, right. So that in, in that one case and whatever it was, we were in a bad place in, in our lives. And then there was that decision moment and then that choice. And it was a choice. Right. So that's the power of free will. It's our ability to choose our thoughts. And I believe that every moment, consciously and unconsciously, we're literally choosing. We're literally choosing faith and fear. I mean, sorry, faith or fear, either one. Right. And, and there's the power there. And so the more we can we can choose, right, the positive, the faith. And it's just, you know, we, we take our thoughts captive. Uh, and something came to me even just last week that, you know, that, that, that I, I must guard my eye gate. I must guard my ear gate. So, therefore, I can guard my mind gate. Uh, right. And if we listen to all the media and everything happening these days, it's all negative, right? It's all inflation. It's the war. It's all, it's like, you know, 2023 is going to be, you know, a challenging year uh, and, so, and so we have a choice right we have a choice of what we enter into our bio computer uh, and so what goes in we know garbage in garbage out and so on right uh, and so it's, it's the power and so I want to encourage each of us right as we enter into this new year to choose consciously you know what is it you want collect positive evidence what is good what is happening you know and ask the questions like how can i do this not why i can't do this so right it's the quality questions we ask ourselves we ask ourselves bad questions we're getting bad answers you ask yourself why i can't do this you'll get all the reasons why you can't mm -hmm. and similarly you ask yourself how i can you'll get all the possibilities and how you can and one of the most powerful things I've ever learned in that regard is that I ask myself, well, what are my options? You know, and when I ask my mind, what are my options? All the possibilities begin to arise in contrast to the opposite kind of question. So, so there's power in our free choice and our ability to choose our thoughts and our choices and stay focused on the positive. Absolutely. Two things I want to pull apart. Every time I hear the word fear, I learned um, it's an acronym from a beautiful soul named Alexian that I interviewed on my other podcast, Spiritual Smorgasbord. And um, he said, fear is false evidence appearing real. So picture it like, you know, an apparition that comes up in front of you and you're like, you are, you, you don't exist. You're not real. Like, go away. Goodbye. Poof. He's like, you have the power to face your fears. He's like, but the more you realize that the fears are truly made up, yeah. that gives you the power to go against them even more. Love that one. That's one of my yes, favorites. Yes, it's Anytime, powerful. Yeah. So Every powerful. Every time I get a little, a little fear or like even like what you said earlier, like you didn't listen to your logical brain, you listened to your heart. And I was like, yeah. And following your heart is really scary in this world. I mean, it really freaking is. I don't like 
if anybody's listening right now, they're like, yeah, it is. I'm terrified. I'm terrified right now. But my favorite thing about it is that you're not alone. And I, I guess I love that the more aligned you are, the more unalone you feel, the happier you feel, the alignment oh, yeah. that you get with everything that you're doing. Which, um, what? so what are you doing now? I know that you're a purpose coach, but you also said you're doing fundraising for, um, was it your church that you're doing? Yeah, yeah for a faith-based ministry. Okay, yeah. faith-based ministry, uh, got it. Yeah, and, and so, and so, um, so I've had these visions, and so one of the visions I've I've got when I started with this, you know, as an employee, as a fundraiser, uh, to uh, transform lives, you know, as new followers of Jesus Christ. Uh, my goal was a hundred thousand people, and then one day God clearly told me, "No, Gary, the goal is a million new followers of Jesus Christ." Uh, and so I said, "Okay, just use me, Lord. I'll, I'll be the channel." So that's my my full time job. And then I also felt God say, and the leading thereof was that. For a hundred thousand uh, people who are on purpose, having a positive impact in the world, and I see this as a global vision. Uh, in fact, I just got off a call earlier where there's some global connections, and there's a great alignment in our heart and our purposes to serve, you know, the world. Uh, and so, to, to me, that the two are really combined, or at least I, I, I would desire that they would unfold, so that I can do international work like our ministry does and help people get clarity on their identity. In, in God, uh, ideally in Jesus Christ, and their God-given purpose. And those two combined would be powerful for, for 100,000 people to serve the world and to begin to transform the world from its, you know, dark place it's at into a lighter place. As you're talking, I am listening to you, but I always have stuff that comes in to my vision space as well. And I always go back to the Beatles song, All You Need Is Love. <laughs> and I truly believe that even though a bunch of people thought that they were just tripping acid, writing super crazy lyrics, I actually believe that through all of their meditative practices and all of just like whatever their purpose was, that they were writing about the unconditional love of where we all come from. And yep. I've noticed through a lot of my interviews and just being in so many churches in and out and experiencing so many different religious theologies the the division in the world is what is killing us as humans. It's oh, yeah. not it's not just a specific group of people up in the government trying to do all this stuff. I know they're I know they're a part of the problem. I'm not trying to yeah. take the blame off anybody. But the division in humanity is something that I have consistently seen no matter if I sat in a church pew, at a bus stop, in a gas station, or hey, don't go to that part of town. You're not welcome there. Yeah. And I've always wondered how one, the faith got split off in so many different parts where like holy wars are invented and all of this stuff, even though we all realize we're all human and we must come from the same place, but we're all fighting over the definition. And when you tell me that you have this channel coming in, I often wonder if with how simple humans are compared to the knowledge that's trying to come down to us if our biggest fault is needing to have tangible definitions to where we come from and that's why we all fight each other that's our biggest downfall is that what you're saying like one of them tangible definitions. Like, I, like i okay so let's pretend i'm a methodist and you're 
I don't know, the complete opposite. Say Baptist. Yeah, like say you're a Baptist, and then for some reason we meet somewhere and we start comparing our faith that technically has the same origin. Like we're both still talking about Jesus. It would be different if you were Mormon and I was Christian, and then you're talking about your Mormon Bible and I'm talking about Jesus, and like Jesus is a step down from John, I can't think of his name, I'm so sorry, the guy from Nauvoo. Um, like that, I've been in that conversation and that's different for me, but two people that are technically followers of Jesus Christ, but follow in different ways, but technically follow in the same. And then this weird division is brought onto both of them, even though the origin of their faith is the same. Yeah. To, to me, that that's the work of the enemy, quite honestly. And, and, and the ego, uh, which actually I think they're connected. I think there's, there's some evil in ego, even though it's designed to protect us and all that. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and so to me, like it's, I understand what you're saying, but I, but I can't relate to it because I don't believe that. I don't believe I'm a denomination. I am a Christ follower. That's it. End of story. Like I, I, I am a Christian. And so, yeah, I think the, I think also what you're, you're leading to towards was that, that we, if we're going to choose something, let's choose unity and love, unconditional love in the world, oh, not all the, the um, differences. Uh, and, and as you were saying with the, with the Beatles, there's power in unconditional love, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and by people being on purpose, it's probably really to serve through love, to serve the planet, to serve the world. Uh, so I think your point is extremely well made that it's it's about the power of love in fact i i just had a feeling with last week that the most powerful force in the universe is love mm -hmm. the most powerful force in the universe absolutely i had a question that came to mind when you were saying that because i was like yes that's a great that's a great follow-up gary i have this next question and now it yeah. just floated away from me so i guess it was supposed to yeah I'll come back yeah maybe or not okay so i want to know more about um you being a purpose coach and um, really just not only spreading your message to the world, going in and educating people in any like corporate capacity, but do you also just coach like individuals? Like if they come to you, they're like, this is the hardships going on in my life and you help them um, attain a different perspective. How do you go about coaching somebody? Yeah, great questions. Thank you. And, and so back to your original question, how I became a, a, the purpose coach is that when in the, in the last recession, and by the way, this is the book that I, I felt called to publish. I pulled all these stories together in a book wow. called The Kingdom Promise, How Leading Canadians Choose Faith to Conquer the Storms of Life. Uh, and uh, we can always provide a link for that later if there's any interest. It's like 20 bucks. But so I, I interviewed all these great leaders in, in Canada, business leaders, uh, you know, church leaders, and it was it was, it was their faith, right, that uh, enabled them to get through their, and God's faithfulness, their major life crisis. And, and so in, in, in my crisis, I, I then felt led, after I felt led to you know, talk to people, I felt led to, to, to change my career out of the corporate training business, which was, there was nothing happening for like two years, uh, and into, and follow my heart into uh, fundraising for a worthy charity. And immediately the idea resonated in my, in my heart about doing that, transferring my skill set to fundraising for, to serving a worthy charity. It, it resonated in my heart. I didn't even know anything about it. Like, so, you know, I mean, follow your heart. Uh, and so I, I started part-time somewhere that went really well. It worked and worked into full-time and ultimately into Bible League. And so that was the realization I had is that when one follows their heart, yeah, it may not be perfect. There may be some challenges that there'll be tons of learning, 
but when you follow your heart, it's always the best decision. Uh, and so that's what got me. I mean, I did all this research, like, well, what's, what happens when you follow your heart? And then I realized it's the bottom line is this, you know, when we follow our greatest passion, which I believe is our current purpose, and when we're on purpose, then we're going to be high performing. Uh, and so that's really what got me into this was my own life experience and being high performing when I followed my heart. And so, so that's what we do now. We, we, we take people through a, a proven process, one that I created like 10 years ago when I was doing corporate training. Uh, and the impact was significant, like with, with VPs and with the, the HR managers and with the group managers and any individual. Um, really, and so we, we have a proven process, seven-step process, uh, which really is about getting clarity of your greatest passion, uh, and then you know clarity of your different purpose uh, and vision and mission, and, and we use a, a closed-eye visualization as a powerful way to get around ego, so we can tap into our soul, which is where the buried treasure of our purpose is. It's already there, I believe, right? We just need to uncover it. Mm -hmm. uh, and so there's a, a few variety of ways that we do that through a short uh, master class and through a longer uh, proven process for the whole process. Uh, and and we, we kick it off usually with uh, having people attend one of our complimentary webinars. And yeah, we, we do have one coming up here on January 10th, 11th, and 12th, 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, so just make sure you got the Eastern time part. Uh, and yeah, so we invite you to attend. It'll be, you'll, you'll certainly be blessed. It'll be a really, we'll, we'll, we'll really be unpacking. So I, I just talked about one principle, which was, you know, choosing faith over fear, right? The power of choice. We'll be talking about another six proven mindset principles, which helped me get through that last recession, right? With zero income, $50,000 in credit card debt. And so, so these are proven processes and these are processes that we can use every day especially now in this current climate uh, and so yeah so come and, and 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 gain the insight of those these powerful principles and maybe clean up maybe clean up your own thinking and raise your expectations for the new year and overcome some overwhelm or concern or uncertainty you know to 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 get to, to understand the power of purpose in an uncertain world uh, and so we invite you to come and join us for for that uh, and this is way beyond, by the way, this is way beyond a, a, a New Year's resolution. This is really about uh, getting clarity and a confidence and commitment and success in 2023 by using some proven principles and tapping into and discovering what is your true purpose, which when we know we're on purpose, we, we barely see the distractions in the world and your certainty will be like 10 out of 10, not 2 out of 10. You definitely have a lot of clarity with the way that you speak and I enjoy it a lot. And my next okay. thing that I enjoy is you were your own guinea pig on your own system. So you're not, one, you're not channeling somebody else's work. Um, you've proved it from your own testimonial is the probably correct term I would use. Yeah. Um, and I trust, I trust those people 10 times more than someone going off and like, you know, going and peddling somebody else's program or somebody else's story. But, well, I used to work for Bob Proctor about 30 years ago. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I used to do corporate training in the restaurant industry. I started out just uh -huh. as a server for Texas Roadhouse. And um, the way that they trained us was phenomenal. We actually, before the restaurant opened, we had about, I think, almost two weeks of training, like intensive classroom stuff. We're talking about positivity, pep, descriptive words obviously memorizing everything. And um, the biggest thing that I got from it was 
how much the culture really meant and how much um, we want you to come to work and we don't want you to feel like you're clocking into a job. You, you want to be here to work with all your friends and, you know, we all have a good time. And it really was the sharing of positive energy all around, all around, all around. And then we also line dance during, during there too. So you always kept your energy levels up. Um, and as I went through the company, um, I had just gotten out of a not so good relationship on and off for the past seven years of my life. And I did, I had like little baby epiphanies is what I would call them, but I didn't have the, um, I didn't have a vocabulary built with my emotions. I was so used to suppressing them or feeling like my voice wasn't really um, needed or necessary, or if I did stand up for myself, um, something bad was going to happen. So when I found this company, in the first couple days of training, these people were so nice to me and they were so complimentary and um, like I felt safe with them. So mm. like work started being a really big safe space for me because I, I could go and work with all of these newly founded relationships where these people are like, oh, you're this, you're this, you're this. And like, these are things that I could, I never saw in myself. I didn't, I didn't even know this was possible. I was so used to being put down and just you know, without going into detail, like I, I wasn't used to anybody really being nice to me like that. Like I had friends and family, like I'm not talking about them, but just the person yeah. that I spent most of my time with, um, he wasn't the most positive person to me. And I was, I was so used to that conditioning is the best way that I could say it, that it took an extreme influence in my life to just be nice to me, to show me like there, there are good people out here, right? So um, the people that came in and trained us, they were called corporate trainers of the store. And they inspired me so much. And I had given up on a lot of the dreams, including, you know, broadcasting what I'm doing now. Because um, by that point, I just kind of felt like it was too late. I had messed up too much. I, I had missed the boat. And um, I'm just going to go do this and I'll kind of wing it. I was a wanderer anyways, so I, I'll always figure it out, right? And when I met these people, they had such a drive and such a passion to not only create something so beautiful within kind of a very mundane industry and a high turnover industry, but they really, really cared about their job and the curriculum that they were teaching. And they were so passionate about the culture and the family of it and just all of us taking care of each other that it was one of the first times in a long time that I had felt inspired to do something. So I decided that I wanted to work up the ranks. I wanted to become a corporate trainer because you got to travel all over the country and all over the world. Like we had stores in Dubai opening at the time when I got in the company and they're like, Hey, like here's the steps you have to take to become a corporate trainer. And then, you know, eventually like you'll get picked up for store openings. And if you're not doing store openings, then you'll just come back and work at your store and wait for another opening. And again, like I have wanderlust fever. I was a couch surfer when I was younger and I've always figured out ways to travel. Like pennies <laughs> under the couch, you know what I mean? Like I always knew where the money was stashed when I needed gas money to get out. And um, I ended up becoming, um, Oh my gosh, I ended up becoming a corporate trainer. I didn't get to do as many openings as I wanted to because I was in a very slow moving market. Um, but through, I would probably say the grace of God and the right manager seeing the light in me at the time that I couldn't see for myself, 
um, I was able to leave the company for a while. And I remember when I had to leave, he was like, I know you're a little rebellious and I know you're a little theatrical. He's like, do not go and burn all of your stuff. He's like, I'm going to call you in a couple months and you're going to have a management position somewhere. And at this time I was still just a server and I was a considered a corporate trainer and a trainer in my home store. And just by like the beginning stage of the training program, I realized how much I loved helping people. And I loved helping them understand just the training and how to talk to people. And so I was actually, there's five days of training. I was a day one trainer and then I was a day five trainer. So the day one, you brought them into the family and you made them feel welcome and feel comfortable. So like I had to sit down before my shift with these people and I was like, all of our books are in front of us and I pushed it all aside and I was like, tell me about yourself. And they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, what's your favorite movie? What's your favorite food? What's your favorite this? What's your favorite that? And they're like, like they were confused because they're so used to working the regular restaurant industry format where it's just like, okay, I'm going to teach you how to sling people drinks. Like, you know, don't mess up my bottom line, blah, 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 blah. Like super high turnover and rotate in the restaurant industry. And I was like, if you're going to work with me, we're going to know each other. Like, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to know your cues. I'm going to know when you're down, like in the weeds is what we call it. I'm going to lift you up and I'm going to be there for you. But if I don't know you and if you don't let me in, I was like, I'm not going to know how to teach you because not everybody learns the same. So I would sit with these people for about 30 minutes before we actually clocked onto the training. And by that point, they had opened up enough to where they were receptive to not only the training program, but me as their trainer. They figured out my personality was very funny and sarcastic, but then I also had kind of like a drill sergeant, you will listen to me thing about me at times. Like, so you would kind of know how to go between me is what I would say. So then day five was like the certification where you would work with me and we would make sure that you were ready to go out and serve by yourself. And then I would have to report back to the managers and be like, this is what they have to work on. They're going to be great at this. They're going to be great at this. I recommend they start in this section, yada, yada, yada. So Basically, I was doing a bunch of work for the managers that they really didn't have to, and apparently I was really good at reporting back. I was able to be the head of the training team when the store opened, and then through um, actions of my own that I'll take about 80% on, I was actually demoted from it because um, I got into a spat with my manager. Um, and I got into a, a spat with him because he was disrespecting the core values and the owner of the company. And I called him out on it and you, you can't really step out of line in the rank, right? Like a server to a manager, it just looks insubordinate. So I ended up getting demoted, but then I ended up getting back on the training team and becoming a corporate trainer after I'd been demoted in my own store. So I was an underdog story again. I had the drive and I knew that I wanted to do it because like training is what kept me in the company not necessarily being a manager or anything. It was helping those people, like helping the Cheyennes that walked into the store that their lives were falling apart. And they're like, I don't know where to go. And I'm like, hey, you're safe here with us. You're, it, it, mm. Everything's going to be okay. So um, I ended up having to leave the company for like my third strike, right? Like I just was over all the politics is what I could say in it. And I get very rebellious when that happens. And um, I see it as a strength. So that's all I'm going to say about that. Well, and, you, you, you certainly follow your heart and speak your mind in terms of your character. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I definitely do. And I always remind myself that Jesus was the rebel of his day. So that always makes me <laughs> good too. 
So uh, the manager at the time, still one of my best friends to this day, he was like, hey, don't go burn your stuff. He's like, I'm going to have a management job for you in a couple months. He's like, so... He's like, I don't, know, I don't know where it's going to be at, but he's like, just go run around for a couple months. Do do the hippie stuff you always do. Just go have fun. So I was like, okay. So um, a couple months later, him and his girlfriend, wife now, Becky, they came into town. They had moved to Kansas City, Missouri, and they had left um, a couple guitars at my house for safekeeping because I'm also the keeper of musical instruments of anybody that needs them safely tucked away. And uh, they're like, hey, we want to take you out to lunch to thank you for keeping our stuff safe and, you know, just just always helping us while, we're, while you're here. I was like, super great. I love lunch, and I especially love when other people pay for it for me. So let's do this. Yeah. So have you been to a Panera? Do you know, like, how fast you get your food? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So great, because I need you to understand how fast this happened when we sit down. We sit down, we're waiting on the food, and Zach and Becky sit down, and they go, all right, um... We've come back to get our stuff, but we've also come back to get you. He's like, you have a job interview at the Texas Roadhouse in Liberty, Missouri for a management position. Um, you can get in, you can pack a bag, you can get in the car right now and we'll take you. And then we'll just come back at the end of the month for the rest of your stuff. He's like, I've already figured out you're going to live with us. You're going to save up a bunch of money. He's like, if you can negotiate the correct salary, he's like, which I think you can. He's like, you'll be able to get out of our house in about four months if you want to. He's like, you can stay as long as you want. He goes, and Becky's pregnant with our second child and we really need help. <laughs> <laughs> he had it all figured out. <laughs> yeah, so, and yeah, he was like, I have it all figured out. The only thing you have to do is finish that food that's about to hit the table and then just get in the car. He's like, you don't belong here anymore. You've tapped out all your resources. He's like, you don't need to be here. If you if you continue to stay here, he's like, it's not going to be good for you. He's like, and you're so much better than what's going on here. He's like, there's nothing here for you. I know your family's here. He goes, but it's time to go, Shy, and you need to go with us. And you made a decision. So, well, I did make a de decision, but I was like, I have dinner with my mom tonight, and I'm, I should probably go tell my mom what the hell is going on. So I was like, I'm not going to get in your car today, I said, but yes, I'll show up for the job interview. Like, I, I'm picking up what you're throwing down, bud. And, like, it was so funny because, like, I'm a really big yoga and meditation person. So when I'm doing yoga and I'm doing my breath work, I'm, I'm processing and I'm processing. And I like when Zach and Becky moved to Kansas city, I had already wanted to move to Kansas city and I had already told myself, Oh, you'll love this story. So I actually went to a women of faith conference in like 2000, between 2010, and 2012 with my stepmother. Cause she always invited me to all of the I, I hate to be like the church stuff, but that's what she did. She was always like, come over here, sweetie. So she took me there to this thing. And I remember I was sitting outside on a bench after all the motivational speakers and I was writing notes and I was like, this is what I want to do in five years. This is what I want to do in 10 years. And um, I looked up at the sky and I loved, I loved Kansas City, even though I didn't know a lot about it. It was close enough to home, but it was far enough to way to find myself. And if I needed to go back home because I was a little homesick, it was like a three-hour drive and it wasn't a big deal. So I sat there and I looked up at the sky and I was like, hey, big guy, um, I don't know why I'm getting this feeling because like happy feelings were still really new for me at the time. You know, when you're in depression, you get a happy feeling. You're like, oh, it's going to go away. You know, you kind of get like your Eeyore voice about it. So I just remember yes. looking up at the sky, sitting on the bench of this hotel, and I was like, I really like Kansas City and... Like, if an opportunity ever came up, like, I actually think that I would move here. I have no idea how to live in a city. I'm from a small town and a farm, and I have to literally depend on a GPS to get around. But, hey, it 
you know, whatever happens, happens. So as I'm doing yoga, probably like two weeks before Zach and Becky come and try to kidnap me, and um, I'm, I'm thinking of ways to work in Kansas City. I was like, okay, so I'll work in Quincy for four days. I'll drive to Kansas City, and I'll work there on the weekends. Like, I'll, I'll go be like a bar back. Who cares? Like, a bar back in a city just makes stupid amount of money, and I'll go sleep on their couch, and I'll live in two different places, which is perfect for me because, like I said, I'm, like, I'm kind of like a vagabond. Like, I'll just go. Like, I'll tie all my stuff up in the handkerchief on the stick and bye, you know? Um, so I was like, however it happens, it happens. But I, I felt like the awakening and the calling and you can always feel when something's about to move. Right. And I wasn't, yeah. And I wasn't like that tapped into the energy at the time. Again, I was so comforted by the, the darkness, I guess I would say the depression of it all that I was like, Oh, that that was our comfort zone. then, right? I was like, Oh God, I really hope, I really hope this works. I really hope this works. So when the opportunity came up, I was like, Oh my gosh, like, I got a flashback of myself on the bench in Kansas City, and I was like, oh, God, the opportunity is here. And I'm like, how do I do this, right? How do I do this? Um, I had two roommates and a dog that I'd lived with for two years, and I was very comfortable being with them, too. But I could also see that that was ending itself. And if I, you know, like, if you don't end it, God will end it for you was where I was at in my life. I was like, if I don't get out now, something's going to force me to get out. So I go to dinner that night with my mom. She's over the stove. She's cooking. She's asked me about life and everything. And she's like, so, so what do you got? What do you got going on? What are you going to do? And I said, um, I think I'm going to move to Kansas city. And she just turns around. Like you can just like hear it, like drop, you know, in the pan. And she's like, what are you talking about? And I said, I have a job interview in Liberty, Missouri for a management position at the Texas roadhouse. Um, so, I mean, I figured like, why not go to the interview? Like, I don't have I don't want to do any, I don't want to be here anymore. I was like, and this opportunity literally just fell on my lap. And she just looks at me and she goes, well, when's your interview? And I was like, Tuesday. And she goes, well, what are you doing here? She's like, if you're going to go live there, <laughs> she's like, why don't you just drive there and just go drive around Kansas City and get a feel for it and see if you actually want to live there before your interview. And I was just cool. like, yeah, that makes total sense, mom. And she's like, okay, well, when are you leaving? And I was like, up tomorrow because you're making dinner right now and I'm not you know I'm not driving at night and she's like okay she's like well pack a bag go she's like call me if you need anything and I was just like actually that strikes me as we begin to wrap up here that that's kind of a great analogy for the new year right we're leaving the the 2022 behind and we're launching into a new experience in 2023 and and we want to help you to launch that for yourself and 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 and, you know develop more mental emotional strength and resilience to keep you on track and even maybe catch a new vision for yourself Mm -hmm. for the new year and follow your heart and where where you are being led to to go and make a difference where you'll be fulfilled and have an impact on the world and, and you know, be in a good place. So my biggest thing that I wanted to get you out of that, because that definitely was my cliffhanger I was going to leave off on, was uh-huh. um, listen to your heart. Those visions are put in your head for a reason. If it feels good, it's for you. If it feels yep. bad, ask why. And um, before you 100%. get out of here, do you want to um, say the webinar information one more time? I'll link it down below, but for anybody that's just sure. on. Yeah, so the the, uh, the the website is landing pages triple uh, w dot um, on purpose people perform dot com right forward slash uh, create dash clarity. Okay, so I know it's a bit um, it's okay. you know, create like I said, dash I'll link clarity. It down below for anybody. And, uh, 
Yeah, and also if they want to email me, it's uh, GaryGradley21 at gmail.com. So and yeah, we'd love also, for you to attend. I know you'll be you'll get great value from it and you'll kickstart yourself for 2023 with more clarity and certainty, which is what we all need. That's wonderful. Yeah. Gary, thank you again so much for coming on. And you. before we get off here, Vitality Exposed is going to bring us a clip from Dirty Heads. It's a show at Grinders NKC that I went to a little bit ago. I picked the song Vacation. It fits in perfectly. If you haven't heard this song, go ahead and check it out. It definitely talks about living your purpose and feeling like your vacation every day because you're doing the right thing. So thank you, Gary. Everybody's out like a I'm just riding down upon my enemies. Do this shit and love it on a day and me. Say you ain't your job, but you'll never leave. Never leave. That ain't gonna be me. That ain't gonna be me. But I'm gonna call me up, said he's on the RT. I said it.